Welcome to the Chirpin' Birds podcast. The Eagles defeat the New York Giants 34-10. Jalen Hurts throws for uh, one yard short of 200 yards. Um, just looking at the stats here, uh, pretty interesting, 199 on the dot. Uh, Lane Johnson scores a touchdown. They have a horrible uh, first half and uh, light it up in the second. So we'll get all into that. Uh, before we get started, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good. This was win number three for all of our loyal listeners. Yes. And you know what that means. Now, Ian uh, is all in on the Eagles officially. Yeah. How does it feel? It feels good. I don't feel like I cheated the fans out of a two uh, two game win streak earlier in the season when I said screw the screw the uh, pride and the, uh, the commitment to the three win in a row uh, after the Raiders loss. I, I was riding pretty low, but uh, now I feel pretty good. And it was sort of an afterthought because we've been. Uh, you know, cheering for an Eagles playoff appearance for a number of weeks now. I mean, since week eight, we read off a number of stats last uh, episode, but um, they're, they're tops, uh, you know, top five in the league in a number of categories. Uh, one, one rushing uh, um, is the most notable, I think, but uh, they're, they're well on their way to, to a playoff spot. If they're, uh, able to put together a 60 minute game. I think it'll be a tough, tough go. The next couple of games you're, you're going on the road uh, to face uh, Taylor Heineke led Washington team that just got uh, the doors blown off them last night. And then you, you play Dallas at home, which is always an interesting matchup, uh, two division games, anything can happen. Uh, but what happened in uh, this game was pretty much uh how uh at least vegas thought it would go the eagles uh, 10 10 point favorites going into the game if i'm not mistaken they end up winning by uh 24 so uh you know kind of went as expected in the second half but the first half started with a non-interception um uh, called interception but eventually uh over overturned to just an incomplete pass um before that the first the first play of the game yeah they, the the kickoff was fumbled the uh your boy well. jj ortega whiteside uh picked it up uh you know it, it was a really sloppy uh game uh jalen hurts throwing the ball into double and triple coverage throwing the ball on his way down uh wincian a very wincian uh performance from him in the first half uh, how did how did you feel about uh you know do you do, do you think there's any takeaways from from the first half? Yeah, I think I think the first half was, I mean, it was just awful. Like putting aside the viewing experience, I thought um, the offense coming out so cold against a not an awful defense, but like a defense that they should be able to handle without much concern. Um, and I didn't really see any, I didn't see any um, like troubling play calling. It mostly just seemed like sloppy, sloppy play, a lack of execution and just 
things not working out like a lot of drops um a lot i mean the uh the giants were setting a lot of pressure and it seemed like hertz was uh just not really finding the the quick read on on those plays when uh they were either sending a guy uh from the slot like blitz blitzing a cornerback and rolling coverage over to the side um opposite like they're rotating it seemed like a lot of those plays were just uh kind of falling apart seconds after the snap and they could just i mean it felt like they didn't really have a drive at any point. I mean, I know they they eventually settled for the field goal at the end of the half, but that was the closest thing that I would call a call a drive, and that was very disappointing as they stalled in the red zone. So I would almost say um, there was like I was left feeling bummed that I couldn't really enjoy the second half. Because I know that for the first half of the game, it was just like they couldn't do anything. And then the floodgates opened. That's not to discredit what happened in the second half, but I I was pretty concerned because this is not a good Giants football team. And if the Eagles hope to make make it to the playoffs and have a respectable game, I think the Eagles should and probably will put more uh, importance on the first half of that game. But uh, what did you make of it? What were your takeaways from the first half? Yeah, I think uh, slow slow starts have been their uh, pattern the last few games uh, against the Jets, against Washington, and now against the Giants. There there were some interesting quotes after the game on uh, that one that one play that uh, Dallas Goddard was wide open in the corner of the end zone or Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni both were talking about how uh, Jalen's coach to make a certain read and uh, a certain read pre-snap and uh, if it's a certain way supposed to go go a certain way and the uh, the defense made a mistake that they weren't accounted accounting for and and they ran the play as as scheduled basically and and uh it ended up working out in the giants favor i think the giants were pretty smart in sending the extra guy or two on on jalen hurts early um that 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 kind of thing i uh, i like to see how jalen adjusts um or how uh the the play calling adjusts and and sirianni uh who went away from the run early and i think uh He's been consistent with doing that when the de- opposing defense is putting enough pressure on the offense that they're ending up uh, behind the sticks at second and 10 or more and uh, and trying to get to third and manageable. Um, and, and Sirianni said himself, uh, I think it was on WIP uh, this morning or, or, or yesterday, um, I guess it was this morning that, uh, you know, when, when they're not on schedule, they, they need to, they, they run the plays that they think they'll find success on second and second and eight or second and longer than eight. Uh, and a lot of those plays are, are pass plays. So I think that, uh, he, he sticks to his scheme and when the, 
running game is is going well, then they don't need to run those pass plays on, on second and long. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that the first drive, I didn't really have a problem with throwing on first down, but, uh, you know, the, when you throw on first down, it's incomplete. Then you're at second and 10, they, they probably throw again. And then, you know, you're a third and long or third and in the third and five or something. And then you, you're a little far to try to run for the first down, even if you're the best running team, the. Uh, league so uh, I, I think the 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 play calling or the philosophy was there but uh, it it takes them some time to to make the adjustments uh, which they clearly did at, at halftime so um, I'm I'm more of a as far as the tale of two halves goes I'm more on the you know, what, what you're going to remember from this game was, was the second half, the Lane Johnson touchdown, the Devonte Smith toe tap, uh, you know, the, the, the longer drives, the, the commanding the of the game punt return Rager. Uh, well, it was a punt punt return all the way, but it was a nice, nice yeah, return. No, Best return of his career possibly um, uh, besides the, the one he actually ran back, I guess. Best best return of the season, we'll say. But uh, I, I, I um I I think that you know J- Jalen Hurts is a you know you're you're not talking about Aaron Rodgers or, or one of the elite quarterbacks, uh you know being coached to make a certain read and missing a guy because of it. Like he's still young and developing, so I'm not really uh, upset at at that. Um, so I, I think the, the takeaway is, uh, at least my takeaway is that the second half showed a lot of, uh, promise, uh, Jalen Hurts made, made some really nice throws. He, uh, took care of the ball. Like the, the second half was, uh, pretty much zero complaints. I mean, he went 17 for 29, 199 yards and two touchdowns. So, and no picks. So, he uh, he was uh, pretty really good uh, in the second half. So uh, the the first half, I just I just feel like um, you know it's he he still has a ways to go, and the Giants did a really good job at pressuring him. And uh, his ankle might not be a hundred percent. He he hasn't really been running as much, um, and and that might be something he's coached. You know, like maybe he's trying to uh, get more experience in the pocket and it's still a sort of transition year as, as exciting as it is to try to make the playoffs. I think the big picture is still a transition year and you're, uh, pretty confident with Jalen Hurts going into year, t- uh, two as the official starter. Uh, so overall, I, I think I, my, I have more takeaways from the second half than the first half, but, uh, they they were pretty inept in, in the first half, and it was uh, pretty excruciating to watch. Yeah, I think um, two things stood out for me as far as Hurts. Um, it you, you were just talking about there. I think it's still pretty clear that he is hobbled to some extent with the ankle, and that has limited his ability to uh, kind of maneuver the the uh, pocket and also. Uh, scramble when he thinks it's a good idea to 
And that's such a big component of his game. And that kind of couples with where with my second point, which is he just seems so uncomfortable in the pocket yesterday. Um, he just he didn't really seem to have the that uh, that shot clock in his head, and that that led to one of his. Uh, he did get a strip sack. I forget. Do do you remember that? That was recovered by who was that recovered by? I think Goddard. Uh, yeah, made that nice play to box that guy out. Yeah, um, yeah, that that's right. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was another play where like the Eagles nearly had another disaster. But like that kind of felt like Wentz, where it was like a play that um, it seemed dead. He wasn't really given an avenue to scramble out of the pocket, and a guy came up behind and took the ball out. Um, and that comes after uh, a, a similar play in the game against Washington, where. He's just kind of waiting for something to develop that isn't there. And the defensive lineman comes and hits the ball. And, you know, not that that's so much, uh, I'd say that's more of deeming the play dead and getting rid of the ball rather than being careless with the ball. Because like most quarterbacks, if you hit their arm or their hand with the ball in it, like it's pretty rare that like uh, you're there with two hands on it, unless you're running within the pocket or, you're already outside of the pocket. So um, those things aside, I think passing, uh, passing wise, I'd say he's, he was uh, like fine. I didn't, I thought the pass to Devontae Smith was really good in the end zone. Uh, he had that, I want to say it was a 46 yard pass uh, downfield to Devontae Smith. It seemed like that was thrown short and Devontae Smith made a really good jump and catch there. And that was Quez Watkins. Well, I, I think that was, I think they both had one. Uh, uh, yeah, Watkins had a really good, um, he, he made a nice high point catch. But the, the one that I was talking about with Devontae Smith, he kind of had to go veer a little bit to the side when a better pass lofted a bit deeper doesn't really make Devontae Smith have to slow down. I think that could have been a touchdown. But once he got through those early bumps and a lot of drops early on. It seemed like a lot of the short passes, whether it was a screen uh, like Rager dropped or a miscue of trying to sync up with Miles Sanders out on the flat. I'd say once they got through that bumpy area in the beginning of the game, um, it, he seemed to steady. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's nothing that he was able to overcome that and was able to kind of steady out and have, I would say, a pretty good second half. And I think in large part, that was because the defense really, uh, they showed up yesterday and they made uh, Jake Fromm and Mike Lennon feel like the quarterbacks that we thought they would be. Yeah, I think uh, in games like that, you kind of look at Jalen Hurts with, rose-colored uh, glasses a little bit when on the other side of the ball you have uh, Jake from th- uh, 6 of 17 for 25 yards and a pick and uh, long neck Mike Lennon 17 for 27, 93 yards, a touchdown and an interception. That touchdown was, you know, when the game was already out of 
out of hand for for the Giants. So, you know, both both quarterbacks throwing uh, under 100 yards uh, and not completing. Uh, well, I, I guess, uh, you know, not attempting um, a, a major high high volume, I guess. Mike Lennon was actually a better completion percentage than Jalen Hurts. Uh, they both had 17 completions. Hurts had two more throws. But you, you talk about the drops. There there were a lot of drops. I'm not really sure uh, what the the problem was. There was one that was he was getting a lot of passes tipped. Um, I, yeah. I I think I think his big issue in in this game uh, was. He, he's not as good as like Gardner Minshew as and other quarterbacks as well uh, at feeling pressure. Um, uh, like you said, the shot clock, like he, he doesn't really have that uh, internal timer uh, as, as far as, you know, the pocket uh, collapsing goes a lot of his throws uh, I felt like were underthrown because he wasn't really getting much, behind it as the pocket was collapsing, uh, getting rid of it uh, two, three seconds earlier would uh, probably result in a stronger throw. And a, a lot of his throws like those uh, sideline throws to Devontae are thrown as he's rolling out to his right off his back foot. Um, so, you know, those are what make him special and he's able to, to make those throws and make those throws accurately. But I would like to see uh, some more pinpoint accuracy from him uh, throwing from the pocket. So, you know, I, th I think that's all part of his development. The bottom line is it's, you know, late December football and you're hoping that uh, they make the playoffs any, any way they can. And, uh, you're a little less concerned about what this means for the season going forward. I think they did a really nice job uh, since week eight, uh, bouncing back. And uh, apparently uh, from Elliot Shore Parks tweeted that the Eagles defense since week eight is uh, number one in points allowed. So, you know, 10 points, uh, I think they gave up like 17 or something to Washington. Uh, I forget exactly like, uh, and not, not too many to the jets. They're keeping a lot of, a lot of teams under 20 points. Um, the, and the only real, uh, I guess complaint I'd have with the defense was Darius Slay dropping that uh, interception mm -hmm. that was in his hands, but uh, it ended up not really swing swinging the game one way or another. Uh, uh, and, but you know, they, they play, they dominate, um, bad quarterbacks outside of uh you know daniel jones that right. the giants game where the whole team sort of didn't show up so yeah yeah ultimately they took care of business um and i think that that's very important obviously they got the win in dominating fashion uh and it, they've done that when they have gone up against these rookie quarterbacks or uh, second or third string quarterbacks um, the wins aren't like cheap wins or I shouldn't say they're not like to a certain extent they certainly are because they're not going up against some uh, a more qualified quarterback but what I do think they should get credit for is that um, when you look up at the scoreboard at 
after the, the last whistle of the game, you see that they're absolutely dominating the team or the, the yeah, their opponent. And uh, I forget who the stat, forget where I saw this, but right now they have a better point differential than the Packers, who's currently the number one seed in the NFC. So uh, I think that is a testament of uh, their offense in combination with their defense against these really bad teams. Um, they seem to be very successful in covering these large uh, lines and I think that they should certainly get credit for that. Um, yeah, so defensively, I, I think, I mean, it, the defense was on the whole game. Um, it seemed like um, the defensive line, I, I, I would still say a bit underwhelming if you're just looking at uh, the raw production. Uh, Josh Sweat, did have a sack today. Was it was that a strip sack? Or was it just a regular old sack? I think it was a, a regular sack. There okay. they they didn't uh, get any turnovers as far as Yeah, well they had they had a, they had two interceptions. They had uh the Rodney McLeod interception, yeah. which was the second play after or f- fumbles, I mean they didn't have any fumbles. Right. They had two um, two picks. I think Jannard Avery uh, he had a good game, first time in a while that we've said his name this season. Pressure uh, on that on that uh, first interception to McLeod. That was, I, th- I think that was due in part uh, by pressure that Gennard brought to the quarterback. And later in the game, Rodney McLeod uh, jarred a ball loose that led to the Alex Singleton pick six. So nice to see McLeod, uh, a team, a vocal team leader. We haven't really said his name much this season, but it's nice to see, uh, you know, his number out there. Who else on the defensive side of the ball? Well, Milton Williams. Don't forget Milton Williams had a sack. I I was not forgetting him. (laughs) So, uh, and I mean, I I never heard of this guy, Cameron uh, Malvo, but... uh, you know, he he only ended up with uh, one assist on a, on a tackle, but he was he was like amped up the whole game, and he, he like he hit, even being in the vicinity of a tackle, like no no stats credited to him at all. Like he would be so amped up. Uh, it was really nice to see him come come up from the practice squad and uh, provide some. Uh, sort of energy f- for the defense there was a point in the uh, end of the third quarter beginning fourth quarter where they had like uh Sacheray, who uh, we will get to um and uh you know marcus apps uh in there i think um uh um what's his name got hurt uh uh you know safety uh, Kayvon Wallace, uh, I think he got hurt and he left uh, the game. So, you know, that that probably resulted in uh, in Epps playing a little more. Uh, he did get flagged for that uh, unsportsmanlike conduct or unnecessary rough, roughness. I mean, um, yeah, Josiah Scott had a had a few sacks he, or not sacks, uh, snaps. <laughs> Uh, and sacks. he had a couple of tackles, uh, Jared Maiden. I never heard of him. He had two tackles and an assist. So, 
Yeah, uh, you know, this, uh, this was the cleanup crew. This yeah. is when they, they're starting to sub out they're a getting lot of the involved. starters on both sides of the ball. So Zach McPherson in there. So it's nice to see um, different different guys in there. And obviously it's garbage time. But uh, and then, you know, there's Gardner Minshew was in there, but he, he just basically handed the ball off the whole time. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they did have the uh, the scrub crew in there at the end. But, um, yeah, I think uh, the, the defense, the defensive line, I thought pressure Jake from pretty well. Um, I, I mean, he sucks. So uh, any pressure, it just felt like uh, the the pocket was collapsing on every snap, every passing play. Um, they stuffed the uh, the Giants running backs. I mean. Saquon Barkley had 15 carries and only 32 yards. Uh, Devontae Booker, six carries, 27 yards. None of their running backs had more than 32 yards. Uh, Yeah, on the game, the Giants accounted for 2.6 yards per offensive play. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's just a a dominating performance by the Eagles defense. And I don't want to like overgrade them because that is going up against two guys who I think it's safe to say the Giants would really prefer not to start, but are in this position where uh, their most qualified quarterbacks would probably not be rostered on most teams. But again, you know, you, you defend the offense you're assigned to and the Eagles took advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, you, you, we can get into the, the, it was the giants of it all. And I, I think that does matter. Like they're uh, they, they haven't played a full 60 minutes of football uh, since, I don't know, the Denver game, maybe the saints game. Uh, I think that's, an issue for sure. Uh, I don't think they'll um, have success if they do make the playoffs that wild card weekend, if they don't play a complete game. Uh, but I think everything's clicking at some point uh, enough to, to win these games. And that's, that's significant, you know, mediocre teams are better than, than the, these bad teams, but uh, they're they're dominating the bad teams, so they're they're not only taking care of business, but they're doing it in a way that you see flashes from Devonte Smith and from Jalen Hurts and uh, these guys that uh, might be part of your future. So I think that's a positive uh, element, and it's really hard to say where they really stack up uh, in, in the in the league overall. You don't really have a a temperature check type game until maybe the last game of the year against Dallas. And even then Dallas may have locked up the, the two seed or, or one seed by then. I mean, depending on how uh, things shake out, but um, you know, they very well could be fighting for, for seeding that last week. So they may be playing to win. Um, yeah. So, you I, know. I was thinking about this today because so many games this season, aside from maybe the Chargers game, the Eagles opponents have either been so much better than them or like discernibly worse. 
Like it, it seems like they haven't had a nice like mirror opponent to get a good gauge of where they stand. It's like yeah. they either they're either trying to hit against like um way above their batting average or way below it. And I'm curious, maybe I'll take Chargers off the table because I think that's a good answer. And I know they just uh they lost to the Texans, but right now if you could get a temperature check team to play like an exhibition game like it doesn't count and like there's no injuries it's just like an experiment to see how they stack up against uh, a worthy opponent who do you think would be an interesting team just to throw them out there on the field against to get a good read of like their talent level uh well this year uh, of the games they played, I think another close one was the San Francisco game. It was week uh, two or whatever it was, and they uh, were pretty inept for most of the game. But I think that 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 was a close game for a while. It ended up being like 13 to nine or something. It was some weird score. Uh, but I, I think that, well, Garoppolo just got hurt or something. So I, I, against them, I, I would say, uh i i would probably say to play another eight and seven eight win nine win maybe ten win team uh the the chargers at eight and seven now is sort of uh uh disappointing i i would uh, i thought a lot more highly of them when the the eagles played them i i thought the eagles uh were hanging with them and that was like a thing to hang your hat on but uh they they've proved to not be able to sustain it over the course of a of a season so uh i'm, I'm not sure i guess uh, as far as nfc teams go i would say I, I would like to see how they stack up against uh the rams 49ers um yeah probably uh on the on the see how on par you are uh, as your record says, would be San Francisco and to see how good you might be, uh, I would say against the Rams. Cause, uh, I mean, Cooper cup's been on un- unreal this year. And I think that, uh, Stafford would be a, a really good challenge for this defense. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, they they had such a good defense last year. They got Ramsey and, uh, uh, and Aaron Donald, I think that would be a good challenge for this offensive line and for Jalen Hurts. So I guess I would say the Rams as far as NFC, AFC, uh, I don't know, maybe the Titans, I think. Titans or Colts um, would, would be a nice uh, measuring stick. Probably not the Colts because there's so much other stuff going on that, that might be uh, a little more than just a measuring stick game. But uh, I, I think somewhere in there, the Bills probably. Uh, all, all, all the, those three teams, I think, would be nice measuring stick games for the Eagles. But, you know, they're, they're going to have plenty of chances uh, next season because it looks like they're going to wrap up the uh, number two spot in the division and they'll play, uh, you know, the other uh, second place teams, whether it's Rams or Cardinals. Um, then you have probably you play the Saints again as uh, second to to the Buccaneers and then in the north you'll probably have to play the Vikings next year so I mean those are going to be three uh tough games um you know 
Hertz has never lost to the Saints, so that's nice. Uh-huh. Uh, so I don't. I, that that's my long-winded answer in many scenarios. Yeah, the team that I thought would be a nice uh, matchup, the Bengals. Yeah. Right now, right now they're first in the AFC North. Um, they have a a young quarterback, you know, much more talented than Jalen Hurts, but a nice group of receivers and a dominant running back. I don't know much about their defense, but uh, they seem to be holding up their end of the bargain. So that was yeah. just something like I, I feel like it's it, the tricky part of this season is so many of the games that have been like of course like all the games are meaningful but as as we come to the end of the season uh each game becomes like infinitely more meaningful and it's it's going to be determined by uh the games in the division and most of the division right now is hard because yeah. you know the cowboys i think it's safe to say a much more talented roster at this point uh, a much more talented quarterback which i think raises them a good bit uh, more than eagles as far as you know where uh their their playoff odds go and then it's you know the football team who maybe the leagues thought that they were maybe a, a more worthy opponent than the eagles a few weeks ago and the giants who at this point i think we can all celebrate uh, with the news that the Giants have decided to bring Joe Judge and Daniel Jones back as key members of their of their franchise, which, as we know from last year with Doug Peterson, uh, leadership can turn heel on that at any given moment if the fan base is angry enough. Yeah, I think uh, one one unique thing about the Eagles as an organization is they they don't stay in the basement for long i mean we've already doubled our wins from last year uh we made the playoffs the year before that so uh you know whether or not they have a realistic shot at winning a game or two in the playoffs uh, and you know winning two games during the championship game so they're the conference championship game so uh you know that's uh, there's a there's a big uh drop off but they're uh they're they've been competitive two of the last three years i would say that they're they're competitive now and they did have some luck with um you know chase young getting hurt and uh fitzpatrick who knows what the washington season would have been if if he was healthy and obviously the the giants are trash but um you know, it's it's not uh, insignificant that they're competitive again, but at the same time, like all those teams that were talking about being a measuring stick for the Eagles, as far as realistic Super Bowl contenders, I'm not sure uh, there would be more than one or one or two, and the, even those would be a, a stretch. Um, Titans, obviously, without Derrick Henry. Um, I don't know how, however you feel about the, the Bengals, but, uh, or, or the Rams, uh, but, you know, I think that's significant too. Like they're a competitive team. They're a borderline playoff team and 
they're in their conversation at the end of December. I think that's uh, a nice feat after four eleven in one season. But at the same time, they're they still have a, a long ways to go. So uh, I, I think that the Eagles ownership does a uh, or front office uh, has a good uh, you know gauge for for fielding a competitive team. But at the same time, we're not comparing them to uh, teams that are gonna go deep in the playoffs. So. Uh, and, and, you know, however Hertz develops is probably how that um, conversation goes. Have you caught in the past, I want to say the last two weeks, it seems like, I don't know how sincere it is or if it's strategic, but it kind of perked my ears up a little bit. How praiseworthy Sirianni has been of Howie Roseman calling out like the roster construction and saying like, you know, the front office and Howie Roseman, like uh, that whole group has really set me up for success. I just thought, did you catch that? I I haven't noticed it out of, uh, out of like a lot of players do stuff like that. I mean, like players and coaches say stuff that I don't, uh, whether it's wholehearted, or sincere on, on their end that I just kind of gloss over. Like uh, I think Miles Sander or Jalen Rager and Darius Slay both tweeted last week, like, don't boo us. We put our heart, heart and souls into this game. It's like, all right, we're, we're still going to boo you. Like <laughs> play, you know, we expect you to play yeah, well. And, and this game was proof that booing works. So yeah. Wow. Bu- bullying works. Bullying works. They're the best run running team in the league. And uh we bully them to run the ball. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are obviously worse GMs in, in the league and uh, the Rager pick and a number of other things are inexcusable. But, uh, you know, for every for for the misses, you you have Mylotta, you have Maddox, um, you know, Barnett was a bad miss, but. <laughs> There's there's not too many wins to point to right now, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I, they're they're also playing well. I mean, Dickerson is was a nice pick uh, so far. Uh, Hertz ended up the being trade, a, a smart pick. Um, the, the trade the, down, I think he could point to. Yeah, getting um, the extra first round pick, I think. And now having three, yeah, I think you know. You can point to, towards the the Wentz trade, even with mm-hmm. the success of the Colts, I think. In retrospect, I'm still a little surprised that um, we got a conditional second and it is now a first-round pick for Carson Wentz. I think if you look at the numbers, um, I don't think he's – like we don't really have to get into the whole Wentz thing now, but I think even looking back and regrading it, I'd, I'd still say that that was a very um, – like that is – I would say maybe a B B plus trade for the Eagles. And I think the Colts may say the same thing. And I think that's, you know, it's fortunate when trades work out on both sides, but um, I think you could point towards that, even though there is the dead money side of it, but that, that was pretty much uh, something that you would have to deal with, with him either on the team or off the team. Yeah. And the, the dead money thing's interesting because 
you if you field a similar team plus your however many draft picks you end up making plus the money that comes off the books uh you might be able to sign a free agent or, or something like you'd have more flexibility uh in that area so i think you know the off season has i think this is like you know the howie's big final i mean i got i don't know final Ooh. but like are you saying this uh, is I, last dance? I I I hope that it's has an element of that. Um <laughs> having the the three first round picks, like I mean, it might take a two, three years to really see how this this draft will pan out. Um if he trades one of them to get more. Uh you know, however he he utilizes those three picks, um, I think will kind of be like if if they all bust, then then that might be it for for him. But um, the, they're a competitive team. They're they're in the playoff race. They're sitting in a playoff spot now, and they can even clinch a playoff spot next week uh, if they beat Washington and uh, the Vikings lose and the Saints lose, or if the Saints lose tonight. Uh, and the 49ers beat the Texans next week, then, uh, then, then that's, you know, path to, uh, to a playoff berth. So I think, uh, you know, t- tonight's game, we're recording uh, Monday day after the, the game uh, has big implications on both the Eagles draft pick and uh, from the Dolphins and, and their playoff spot. Um, and then, you know, that uh, who, who knows what'll happen next week it all starts with a win in washington at fedex field uh dump uh next next uh sunday or this sunday but uh otherwise uh yeah i think that's that's all i got on the game do you have anything else uh yeah no i mean maybe we give a little bit more time to the lane johnson play oh yeah uh, since that was um such a fun play and it seemed like from the post-game uh conferences with the players it seems like a big talking point in the locker room was lane johnson deserves more recognition from the league and um they just think the world of him um you know he he what he dealt with uh this season and of course it wasn't just this season but it's been a a lifelong thing for him but him uh dealing with it talking about it publicly and going out on the field and having uh, the impact that he does on on the field and with the team and in the locker room it was nice to see him get rewarded with such a fun uh touchdown it's it's been the first time a, an Eagles offensive lineman has had a touchdown in I think ten years, right? So it's been know. a while. You'd have to um, we'd have to look look that up. Uh, they asked somebody asked Sirianni what the play call was or what it was named. He said it was East Texas, so not as interesting or I think like as sticky as a Philly special, but uh, yeah. fun fun nonetheless. Uh, and he you... and Jalen Hurts exchanged the the jerseys um, right. with the Texas boys thing. Uh-huh. Um, uh, it was funny because I thought the play was awesome, 
uh, you know, watching it and, and after the pro bowl snub and all this, it felt very uh, fitting. And then right after on um, the post game show, Ray Denninger says, I like the play, but I, I think they should have used it when it actually mattered more as this game was a boat race and, you know, they, they should have now, now all, every team has tape on it and this and that. And I was, I, I thought that that was a little curmudgeon uh, for, <laughs> for, for my liking, but uh, you know, if I had, if I had Super Bowl uh, or bust uh, expectations for this team, maybe I would think that uh, every competitive advantage is, uh, necessary but um you know i i think that they probably won't pull out a, a play like that uh again this season and if they do it'll probably get uh broken up but uh mm-hmm. just because of of that element but uh i i think sirianni came out pretty uh uh, well, in the second half, pretty uh, creative, and he's been pretty creative the last few weeks, but especially like out of the bye uh, against Washington and the Giants, like having such a they have one of the best offenses in, in the league right now. So uh, I I don't think that's by accident, and I think uh, he's really proven himself as a, a very good uh, hire. Um, and uh, right now, the only other. Uh, first year NFL head coach. I won't say rookie head coach. I know you don't first like that. Year coach. Uh, first year uh, head coach in the NFL uh, uh, is Brandon Staley of the Chargers and they're both eight and seven and arguably Sirianni has had the better season as uh, going more from rags to riches rather than riches to, you know, middle, but he middle doesn't, of the pack. He doesn't, he doesn't have the head to head. He does not have the head to head. That's true. Um, but a, a three point, a three point game either way is still pretty close. And, uh, as far as like coach of the year stuff, I think we mentioned it last time. I think he should be in the conversation. I'm not sure, uh, if he would be a, a front runner, but, uh, you know, one, one or two writers giving him a first place vote and him ending yeah. up in like fourth or fifth place is, uh, I think feasible. And, and I think he should get consideration, um, especially after, you know, the getting the getting the team ready for that Tuesday game after uh, tensions were high on uh, being uh, punished in, in a way for following protocol and then uh, a short week um, or sh- otherwise shorter week uh, or short week than it otherwise would have been is what I meant to say right. uh, uh, and getting them ready to play. While, while um, he had COVID. And while he had COVID, yeah, exactly. So I think all that's pretty impressive. And uh, as far as like, you know, being really confused that at the hire and, and not knowing what's going on and thinking it's another lost season, they'll get a good draft pick and this and that. I think uh, he's really uh, won, won the the, uh, the city over, at least won me over uh, as, as a head coach and hopefully – uh, Jalen Hurts progresses as much as Sirianni and Gannon have, and and that hopefully will bear fruit uh, going into the playoffs and into next season. Yeah, I'll put uh, one one thing, or I guess maybe this can be the closing on Sunday's game. Miles Sanders left with a hand injury. Nick Sirianni today confirmed that the injury is a broken hand, uh, so he will not be. Uh, 
He will not be active this week against Washington. And his running But he back, won't go on IR, so. Right. So he won't go on IR, and um, that's that's almost specifically because if he goes on IR again, that will deactivate him for the season. So they're really holding out. Um, for the regular season. Right. Um, true. So hope they're hopeful that he can return before the season's over. Um, I don't know how long it takes for a broken hand to recover, especially uh, at the position where you're holding onto the ball. Yeah. Um, but I also... I wonder if they make special casts for certain positions, like a de- a, an edge rusher yeah. with a broken hand just has the club. Yeah, can they give him like a... They like should give him like holder. a flat... Yeah, a cup holder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, his running back mate... Uh, Jordan Howard left the game with a stinger. I feel like he's had a few of those now. And I want to say those are really iffy for returning um, the next week. So I think they're they're hopeful, but not sure how likely he will be active this, this next week. Uh, so that figures to push Boston Scott up in the running back room. He'll either be first or second in line for snaps there. Uh, you figure Gainwell will follow him up there. He had the the fumble on the kick return, but we, we haven't seen him in a bit since Miles Sanders and Howard have returned from their own respective injuries. Um, Brandon Brooks, still no update from the team. At this point, I think that just means we won't see him again this season. He had a pectoral strain. That is a long, uh, that that's an injury with a long recovery time. But I think even at this point, you could even say a few weeks ago that uh, we've exceeded the expected timeline for his recovery. So I'm not sure if there's something else at play out there. Some a reporter asked if there was anything like, is there a non-injury component of this similar? Uh, to Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks has had um, issues with anxiety and his mental health, um, but that didn't really get a response. So uh, not speculating here, but I would be surprised if we see him again this season. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like there's anything? Yeah, I mean, I I think... Uh... Nate Herbig, Sua Peda's, uh, just a credit to the depth that the position or at the offensive line uh, position uh, group. Uh, and Jeff Stoutland's the best in the business. So I think that uh, whether or not Brooks comes back during the regular season, I think they have a similar chance in making the playoffs or I think they still can make the playoffs. Um, obviously, if he's ready to go and um, can slide slot in there, as if you know, no time was missed, if there's no chemistry issue or getting back up to game speed issue, uh, that would be preferred um, yeah, as one of the best guards in, in the league. But uh, you know, as as it is now, I mean, Nate Nate Herbig's pretty much settled down in that right guard role. I, I don't think he's 
uh, a center. So hopefully they uh, are, are solid to, to keep going, um, you know, without injuries and, and all that. But uh, I, I'm pretty confident in, in the team. Uh, Nate Herbig, uh, I don't know if Toth is going to be in there. It seems so paid as uh, jumped him. So, um, yeah. and you Dickerson know, is back. So, hopefully. and Dickerson's back. So, the left side of the line is pretty much solid. It's just the right guard position. And, uh, I think the way Lane Johnson's playing and Jason Kelsey's playing that, uh, that can kind of mask any, uh, Herbig or Opeta, uh, down, downgrade from Brandon Brooks. So, uh, unfortunate for Brandon Brooks, I, I would like him to come back. I mean, uh, he's, he's a, a great Eagle and, uh, you know, I hope the recovery is going well and there weren't any setbacks and it's just taking a while. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah. and sad to say it's, it's not, it's not off the table that we've already seen his last snap with the Eagles. Yeah. Um, he's, he's been part of, trade rumors here and there with the past two seasons i still think he's a very talented guard when he's healthy he's one of the best at his position um he does have a, a pretty significant contract and maybe the eagles look to move him for the right price um but i'm right there with you i've, I've been a longtime fan of him and he's a very easy guy to root for so hope to see him back cross our fingers that uh, if he's not back this season, that he's back next season. Um, a few other things popped up on the transaction wire today. Uh, the team put Derek Barnett, uh, Andre Sachere, Teron Jackson, all on the COVID list. And uh, they also put Noah Togiai on the practice squad COVID list. Um, so that is a concerning number of players who have tested positive at this point. Um, the NFL's new protocol, I believe, is self-reported. Like, if you have symptoms, uh, you raise your hand, you get tested, and you get put on the list if that comes back positive. Um, and, I mean, Derek Barnett's a starter. Teron Jackson has been seeing increasing amount of snaps. So you hope that that's not a beginning of an outbreak on the team overall. And specifically, you hope that the other guys that with the defensive line are healthy and they, they too don't pop up. And that's we this is just coming to my mind. Uh, Kerrigan put on the list, so you hope that that's contained and you no know, other guys uh, end up there because what is what coming into the season has been a strength and has been somewhat of a disappointment. Uh, you start taking away some of the um, impactful players there and it, it gets weak pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the common position is the concerning part uh, if it's an outbreak in a, in a certain room, uh, the Eagles reported that uh, Nick Sirani said that all the quarterbacks will be taking meetings in separate rooms to prevent uh, any outbreaks so they can, they can go this, this Sunday. So that's just a situation to monitor. It's the reality of every team in the league. So hopefully, uh, 
they uh, can can play the game and everyone's healthy. And, you know, some of these guys, assuming they're vaccinated, might even be able to play on uh, Sunday. I'm not sure what the um, exposure day rule is or whatever, but, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday's five days. So um, assuming they're in game shape and ready to go, they might be able to play. This may be leading up to Milton Williams' first NFL start. That would be uh, huge for this podcast, for sure. Um, all right. Silver and, and, lining, and we'll take it. If it ends up going that way. <laughs> I think that's a pretty uh, reasonable final thought. Um, will Milton Williams start? Um, yeah, so we'll be back later in the week to preview the uh, second Washington game in Washington, D.C., or Landover, Maryland, actually. And uh, later in the week, uh, for Mike, I'm Ian, and thanks for listening.